Romans 15, 12. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Near the tip of South Africa lies a cape called the Cape of Good Hope. It's also called Cape Point. It's a magnificent stretch of land with over 1,100 species of animals and plants that are known only to that portion of the world. They're not found anywhere else in the world, just on that particular island, part of the Cape. Sir Francis Drake, one of the early explorers, said of Cape uh, Horn, he said, Cape of Good Hope, he said that he had seen nothing so magnificent in all the world in all of his travels. Now, ironically, that was first named the Cape of Storms. Stop and think. Cape of Storms, Cape of Good Hope. What changed the name? What caused the change that brought about? Well, King John II changed the name from Cape of Storms to Cape of Good Hope because of the desire to open up trade from Europe, Great Britain, Portugal, Spain, France, around to the Far East and the Orient in celebration of the ships and the trade routes that would be opened up. Now, on the Cape of Good Hope, there are, are two crosses that are standing there. Each one was erected in memory of a Portuguese explorer, Vasco da Gama. Some of y'all studied history, remember his name. And then also the one who named it Cape of Storms, uh, Bartholomew Dias. But those two crosses, when they're lined up, they stretch out into what's called False Bay. And a captain of a ship or whoever's in charge navigator can line those two crosses up and they can find a rock where its location longitude and latitude is called Whittle Rock. You say, well, what's it, what's it about? Well, Whittle Rock caused 450 shipwrecks. Submerged. They sail into a false bay thinking they're okay, hit the rock, knocks a hole in the wooden hull or metal hull, and the ship goes down. In fact, today, if you want to do one of your bucket lists, those of you that skin dive and like to do those kinds of things, deep sea dive, you can go there and you pay a, a certain amount of money, and you can go down and you can swim through 50 different shipwrecks. Now, sometimes it's a greater number, depending on how the, the sand shift in the sea, but you can go and enjoy, you know, going on board of an old sea vessel that's two or 300 years old, finding some kind of treasure, you know, some kind of diamond necklace or gold doublon, you know, some kind of doubloon, some kind of something. And, of course, there are probably a few skeleton bones and a few other things on there that you may not be so excited about. Ironic, isn't it, that a place on a map that became an obstacle to sail around becomes the Cape of Good Hope. Cape of Storms, Cape of Good Hope. Such is life, folks. Sometimes we end up in a storm looking for some hope. We're hoping, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to make it? When I was down uh, with Keegan, he's here this morning, and some of the rest of our crew, uh, the Mitchells, were here this morning, down in Taft, working not so long ago, trying to help with Hurricane Harvey relief. I saw a sign on the side of a building that said, and the building was devastated, folks. I mean, it had been hit by the, the hurricane. It was not a whole lot left. It said, close for repairs. We'll open again. I don't know about y'all, I like that optimism. You know, here's a guy who lost his business, is completely destroyed, and he puts his sign up, says, close for repairs, we'll open again. 
Well, folks, we need to understand that now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Psalm 62, 5 and 6 says it this way, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says it like this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces patience or perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by His Holy Spirit whom He has given us. And most of you know Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12. I use it a lot of times in weddings. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. That's what's on my mother's tombstone, and she's still living. But she wanted to make sure that was put on her tombstone. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What is hope, folks? You ever stop to think about what is hope, really? It's a confident expectation that a desire will be fulfilled. Hope is a confident trust. Hope is a belief or faith and assurance that God is going to see us through whatever we might be going through or will go through. He's going to be with us. Hope. I've watched hope in people through the years when times were uncertain, when they were difficult. I've seen hope. I heard it in a testimony of a young lady who came from South America several years ago. Uh, she wanted to go to school in our Baptist of Americas down here in San Antonio. It's one of our large uh, schools, that uh, university that uh, basically tries to encourage young people from around the world to come and get an education. And she landed in Florida from South America. And she looked on her map, and on the map that she looked at down in South America, Florida didn't look that far from Texas. And she got to Florida, and she said, how do I get to Texas? She said, well, Texas is a long way from here, 20-plus hours. You know, you're going to – she fortunately had enough money to buy a bus ticket and had a church there help her. And she landed in San Antonio, and she didn't have anybody's name or number except the name of the college. And she called and told them, I'm come by faith, get an education. I'm here at the bus station. Could somebody come and pick me up? And they did. And they got her a place to live, and they got her enrolled in school, and she's finished school now, and she's gone back to her home country. All because of her faith. Now, faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What do you hope for today, this week, this next year? You hope for a good grade in school, guys? Yeah. Especially when you take a test and you hadn't studied do a lot of praying, Lord, please help me pass that test, you know. Do you hope for relationships to improve? Folks, this is the holidays. I know the holidays. There's some people that dread the holidays. Some people don't like the holidays. Some people have aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters they don't get along with. Folks, I want to remind you, God's given us a ministry of reconciliation. Some of you are saying, well, you don't have the brother I have, or you don't have the sister I have, or you don't have the mother or father or whatever. I, I just wish people would get along in the holidays. I, I hope that, that you realize that you can ask God to help you. Do you hope for an end of the war in Afghanistan and Iraq? Folks, we've been over there 16 years now. 
you know, for the conflicts that end in Syria, for all the hundreds of thousands of refugees that are stuck in camps around the world this morning? Do you hope from, for some relief for them? Do you hope someone will come up with a cure for cancer? I do. I really do hope for that. As much money is raised, as much money is thrown at cures for cancer, I, I, I hope they find cures for cancer because I have a lot of friends that have cancer. Do you hope someone can design and create a home that will be more energy efficient than the ones we have now? Do you hope that somebody can come up with a design for a car that will run on salt water? Or maybe something else that we've got, you know, that will run on air, wind. They're already working on them. If you hadn't seen them, they're working on them. Now, big oil interests may kind of squash that because there's a lot of money to be made in fossil fuels. Do you hope that the preacher won't call on you to pray? You know, the number one fear in people's lives, it's not snakes, it's not spiders, it's fear of public speaking. I'm not going to call on you to pray. Don't worry about it. If I do, God will help you through it. And if I call on you to pray and you didn't want to pray, you just tell me, please don't ever call on me to pray again, okay? Then I'll try to remember that. You hope that some way hunger could be alleviated in our state. Y'all know that every week, three to four million young people, children in our state, are hungry at least some portion of the week. Three to four million out of a state of 27 million. Our backpacks of love, our backpacks of mercy that we do to let children carry home food over the weekend so that they won't have to go from Friday to Monday without a meal. You know, I believe strongly in hope. I believe that those families that lost their homes down along the coast in Hurricane Harvey, that somehow, some way, they're going to be able to rebuild their lives, whether it's along the coast or somewhere else. I believe our God is big enough that he can help them move on in life. We sometimes forget that verse of Scripture, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. You know, I went to our Texas Baptist meeting just recently down in Waco, and the, the motto was compelled Compelled to love our neighbors and to share Christ. A few years ago, we had another motto that we had. And the motto was, Texas Hope, help bring hope to every heart. Praying, caring, and sharing. Well, folks, mottos are great. But unless mottos are put into practice, they're worthless. You hear me? You can say all the good things, all the bright words and everything, but the you know, where it really does make a difference is when you put that faith into practice. Did you hear that verse a while ago out of Romans, the 15th chapter? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, purpose clause, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of us here this morning are somebody else's hope right here in our community, right here in our family, right here in our county, right here in our state. God has filled us with enough hope that we can be hope to somebody else. We can answer their prayers by ministering the love and grace of Jesus. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. What do you and I hope for this morning? You know, how do we exhibit our faith to fulfill that hope? Because we're so blessed. In Dante Alighieri's famous poem, The Divine Comedy, a sign hangs over the entrance of hell, or the inferno as it's called. And it says, abandon all hope, those who enter here. Sometimes we forget, folks, if people don't know Jesus, they don't really have any hope. Hope is in him. He's the hope of glory. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and confident, sure of what we do not see. 
been about 35 years ago. Brenda and I had the privilege of uh, when the Iron Curtain was still up, of going to East Germany, and we, we stayed in the Buchenwald concentration camp. We actually stayed in the barracks where the German soldiers stayed. And we walked out among the cinders and the cinder blocks of where all the barracks were. And when you enter that compound out there, there's a sign over the entrance in the metal gates that says to each his due in that concentration camp. And there on the right-hand side and on the left-hand side, there's a museum of some of the things. And, and one of the things that's there that will break your heart is a lampshade made of human skin. How evil. How wicked. How can man stoop to such low morals, such violence toward his fellow man. In the back right-hand corner is Mingleus Hospital where he did all kinds of experiments on people, regular people. And as you walk along the cinder block, every one of them says so many Poles, so many Czechs, so many Gypsies, so many Jews. It has all the ones listed there. And you think, that's horrible. How could that ever happen? Folks, I want to share something with you. Whatever happened that man's done, we're all capable of doing that same thing. There go I, but for the grace of God. You know, I don't preach condemnation. I never have, never have liked that. I believe Romans 8 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But you know where I have trouble with condemnation in my life is when somebody I love disappoints me. When somebody gives me their word and they break it. When I converse with someone and they let me down, then guess what happens? Judgment on my part. Now, y'all may not have that problem. Y'all may can let it roll off your back and go on. I, you know, I find myself condemning what they've done, and then I have to remember, there go I, but for the grace of God. I'm capable and have done the very same thing. As long as man has been alive, folks, there's been suffering and wrongdoing and violence in our world. And man, sin has taken its toll on mankind. You know, a few years ago in 2002, nine miners were trapped in a Pennsylvania coal mine. Down below, cave-in. And they had just a little bit of food, and they had two flashlights, and it was cold down there. And their main concern was not the lack of food or the lack of water. Their main concern was the cold. How are they going to stay warm down under the ground that far down? Because it was cold. And they got by a little tiny air of shaft that was open that air was coming down into, and that's how they continued to breathe. And they huddled around those flashlights as long as they would burn to get the warmth off the battery of the lights and to huddle together to have the warmth. And up above were all their family members, were the people who owned the mine, people praying that they would be saved. 77 hours later, by God's grace, they lifted all nine miners from that mine saved for another day to live again y'all know our Clifton band did really well this year in competition did y'all know that our Clifton band went to state seventh place is that correct now what y'all got bliss seventh place and they it wasn't what they wanted it wasn't they wanted first place obviously or second place but I want you to understand seventh place out of 160 plus bands in 3A schools folks that's something to be happy about that's something to rejoice in. Uh, a few years ago, the Clifton Band played a popular song from the 70s. Some of you will know it because you grew up with it. If you're younger than me, you'll know it. it. It was called Dream Weaver. Do you remember that song? Number one hit, 1976, written by Gary Wright, 
and speed, Rio Speedwagon, R.E.O. Speedwagon, played it. I want you to listen to the words because this song, this popular song, helps us see something about hope. It helps us move from darkness to light. Hear the words to it. Dreamweaver, I've just closed my eyes again. Climbed aboard the Dreamweaver train. Driver, take my worries of today and leave tomorrow behind. I believe you can get me through the night. Ooh, Dreamweaver, I believe we can reach the morning light. Hope. Hope helps bring us something good from something bad. Hope helps us see the silver lining in every cloud. Hope helps us restore confidence and trust and faith in one another, in our churches, in our schools, in our nation. Hope always has our best interests in mind to help us. The psalmist says it again this way. just want to reiterate it. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. You know, I've seen a great many people shaken recently. Those along the coast from the hurricanes, those in California from the fires, those in the news media with the firestorm of all the uh, immoralities and things that have been going on and one large, one well-known anchor after another. My, how the mighty have fallen. That's what Scripture says. So how can we have hope restored? Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Usually when I stand and preach, you know I have hopes. When I stand and preach every Sunday morning, I was conversing in the early service. Uh, one of the girls that was here, she'd been sitting back behind. She felt good enough to come in today. And I said, you know, sometimes I'd like to go back and sit behind when I was supposed to preach. But I hope and pray always that I'll have a word for God's people. And when I preach from His Word, I hope that God's Word will help somebody deal with something they're dealing with. Most of the time, I hope that those who hear my message will at least take some of it home with them, that they won't sleep through it. You know, I have a lot of people come to church for rest, and the only time they can get rest is in church while I'm preaching. And the minute I start, it's just like soothing. Just, they just go out. Last Sunday morning, early service, when I, or second service, when I gave my invitation. Right, Reagan? Stand up, Reagan. I want them to see you for a minute. I know it's embarrassing, but Reagan came to me. I didn't hold but one verse of invitation, did I, Reagan? She said, Brother Terry, I was going to come and give my heart to the Lord today. I trusted Jesus. I want to be baptized. Hey, that's what I'm all about right there. The greatest day in the world is see a young person come to know the Lord. You can be seated, Reagan. She's going to be baptized next Sunday. Y'all be sure and shake her hand because she came to the back of the church, came down the aisle fighting all among you people to let me know that she had trusted the Lord and she wanted to be baptized. She wanted to join the church. And I'd give her a hand. You know why I say that? Because Scripture says that all of heaven, all of heaven applause that sits with glory and honor when a, one sinner turns from their ways and turns to the Lord. Also because Matthew 10, 32, you say, well, Brother Jerry, why do you give invitations? Why do you ask people to come forward and in front of others? It's embarrassing, they say. No, it's not. Let me share with you why. Matthew 10, 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. If you profess me before men, I will profess you before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Hope 
is what helps people make that decision public. Hope is what helps people define their lives and grow in their grace and their faith. I hope that every couple that I perform their marriage for would be successful and happy and loving toward one another. I did a wedding yesterday evening for Ashley Amundsen and her uh, fiancé, Adam Voigt. And they chose, one of the scriptures they chose was Ecclesiastes 3. You know that passage, a time to be born, time to die. And it gets down there. If y'all know Ashley, she grew up in our church, grew up in our school, graduated years ago. Ashley talks. You know, she is a talker. And in that wedding, it came a time to speak and a time to be silent. And I looked at her and I said, Ashley, now you need to understand, Adam's not ever going to be able to get a word in edgewise unless you can be quiet and silent and let him speak. They're so opposite in their personalities and temperaments, but I feel like God's going to use them and grow them in faith. That's what I pray for every couple. Uh, it's so joyful to see couples that are happy. I visited with one of our older gentlemen this week. Bless his heart. He took a fall, skinned his head, bunged his shoulder up, got bandage on his hand. He's been married to his wife 71 years. And he goes every day and sees her, though she does not always know who he is. He sits by her little chair in the nursing home and talks to her and loves her and cares for her the same as when they started out years ago. I hope that those who visit our church sometimes would always feel welcome and cared for. I hope somebody makes them feel welcome. I hope that our children and our grandchildren, our college, our military students would always make wise decisions. Y'all have heard me say that. If I could give one thing to young people, it would be the ability to make wise decisions. I've started praying that prayer for young adults, for middle adults and for older adults because I see lots of bad decisions all the time being made by all ages. I would hope that people might find a sense of joy and happiness in Christ and share those feelings with others. If you weren't inspired by the music this morning, folks, you need to ask God to do a work in your heart. God wants us to grow in our faith. He wants us to grow in grace. I would hope that those who are hurting in our services, in our community, would find comfort in Christ, and we might be the hope that brings them that comfort. I would hope that all children who grace our premises might feel the love and the joy of Jesus in this place. I have a little girl. She was sitting right over here a while ago. Miss Nora, every Sunday when I come, now this morning she didn't want to share a cookie with me because I asked if I could have it, and she took it back. But every Sunday morning when she's here, she comes and gives me a hug. And bless her heart, last week, because I have such big shoes, I, she moved while I was doing the children's sermon. I tripped right over her and didn't hurt her by God's grace. But y'all know what it means to have a child that is loved and that loves you, that feels important because you remember their name? See, I grew up in a church where, where the older adults knew who I was. And that worked good for me, except when I did something wrong. When I did something wrong, they called me out on it. They might have told me ahead of time, hey, I'm going to have to tell your family. Please, please don't, please show me some grace. Please, well, you need, to, you, know, you need to make promise. Let's pray about it. I would hope that those who are feeling a bit down and worthless and alone would find a friend in Christ, that people would find someone in some church somewhere that can minister to their love and grace. I would hope that those who are going through the loss of a loved one, grief this time of the year, that they would find a sense of comfort that God blessed them with that person for as long as they had them. 
I've always hoped that I'd be a good pastor. That may not always be the case, but I've hoped that. Now hope is being sure, you know, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. The home offices of the National Health Association, Mental Health Association, are located in Alexandria, Virginia. And right there in that place, there's a large bell that's been made called the Bell of Hope. When I was a boy, with family members, I visited the Wichita Falls State Mental Hospital. And I have to be honest, as a 10, 11-year-old boy just driving through there, it was a scary place. Because I saw people in buildings with wires over the front of the buildings, over the front porches, and bars, and people standing. There's like a prison almost. And what they did back in the 50s when they finally figured out that there's a better way to minister to people with mental problems than just to chain them up, they asked nationally, the federal government asked all of the shackles, all the restraints, all the mental devices that have been used in our institutions of mental health be sent home to the home office there in Alexandria. And all those things came in in boxes from all over the United States. Basically shackles, handcuffs, restraints. And what they did with those, they melted, melted all of those things down and they had the McShane Bell Foundry cast a large bell out of all those melted shackles and chains down so that three to four or five times a year, special occasions, they ring that bell of hope to remind everyone that there is a better way to treat people with mental problems. And there's some hope for finding cures. Folks, we're forgiven in Christ and His power we are healed, and we can do all things through Him who gives us His strength. And oftentimes we forget that we serve a risen Lord. Jesus isn't still in the grave, folks. He's not still on the cross. He's in heaven, and He lives in us through His Holy Spirit. But He knows every one of us by name. He knows everything about us, and He still loves us. We forget that Christ, in Christ we don't need to fear sin or death or hell or the grave or anything else in this earth. Nothing can separate us from His love. That's what Romans 8 says. 1 John 4 says it like this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear or casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And God really still is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Last week I preached on do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all our understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe all of us need to cast us a bell and ring it ever so often out of the things that bind us and keep us from becoming who God calls us to be. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know, we need to remember that hopes help people cope with losses. Loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of a home, loss of a house, loss of a pet, loss of a way of life. Hope helps people cope with divorce and rebuilding their lives. Hope helps disappointment and failed expectation be restored. Hope helps inspire and motivate. Hope helps people overcome addictions. Hope helps encourage and engender faith and assures them they are loved. Hope helps keep dreams alive. And it really does help us through the night to see the light. Because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me will never walk in darkness. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see.
May we pray. Father, you know every person here this morning. You know those that need to make things right with you or those that maybe need to make things right with their family or fellow employee or something. You know, Lord, every person's agenda. You know everything they've done, self-included. You know all about us, Lord, and yet you still love us. Would you give us the faith this morning, Lord, to step out in that faith and to claim the hope that is ours in Christ and to be hope for others, Lord, to be love and grace and mercy and comfort and peace during this season. Would you help us make our world a better place? In Jesus' name and for his sake and by his power, amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is, Oh God, our help in ages past. I think it's in your bulletin. If you want to use the hymnal, it's hymn number 174. I think 74, just 74. I'll be here at the front to receive you if the decision you'd like to make. Would you stand? Hymn number 74.